1: ¡Italianos!
2: Hello, hello, good evening and welcome along to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast. We're coming a little bit later than usual, but I accept full responsibility for that. I am Conor Clancy, returning as host, joined by just one man this week, but it's Kev Bogazowski. Kev, hello.
0: Hi Conor, how are you?
2: I'm better. I, I was stressed for a couple of days because, you know, it being May, it being the busiest month of the entire year, my laptop decided, three weeks left. I'm gonna just pack it in early and and give up so I've been struggling for the last few days with my laptop thankfully it is back but unfortunately with none of the things that were previously on it so it's like starting over with a new laptop which is quite strange but other than that I'm okay I'm healthy so how are you?
0: I'm alright, I'm I'm. I'm wondering what you what was on the laptop that you uh, that you've lost
2: uh, Nothing really,
0: basically Nothing untoward, of I hope
2: Batania Sticking the fingers up um, Pictures of An- Gian Piero Gasparini Pictures of Alejandro Gomez Pictures of Bruno Alves You know, just the usual stuff Nothing You need, nothing need to get to have
0: a mobile hard drive <laughs>
2: I think so, just for the Bruno Alves pictures alone to be honest, we'll get to him um, Alright Kev, it's been I don't know how to describe this weekend of Serie A because it's been eventful without too much actually changing, at least at the top. Uh, So where to begin? I suppose we'll dive straight in with Juventus-Roma because Juventus haven't been very good since winning the league. Why would they be? And I have a funny feeling that might change this weekend. But anyway, Roma got a big win. They needed to win. And for once, when they needed a result, they got the result and... This will lift their spirits and for what remains of the Champions League running.
0: Yeah, because it, it, it looked like for a moment that they weren't going to get that result as well. Florenzi scored on uh, about 70 minutes with 20 to go. And even though Juve weren't really going at full speed, you just thought Roma were going to do what they've done for the last few weeks. But when you bear in mind that they, they won as well last weekend, which I didn't in my, uh, if you like, end of season predictions when I was trying to work out who was going to get that last Champions League place. Um, they sort of surprised me, I suppose, and just ground out those uh, those six points.
2: I'm just saying, okay, uh, I didn't notice this, but Roma didn't win last week. They dropped two points oh. at Genoa. And they yeah, should they have lost. They should have lost. I think you're thinking back to the week before when oh, they beat Cali. Oh, yes.
0: I put them down as I was expecting them to get uh, one point, and I think they've come away with uh, four. Yeah, they've done quite well.
2: They have done quite well in the last two weeks, to be fair. Um, Florenzi did get his goal, and I want to talk about the thing that happened, because Cristiano Ronaldo, a phenomenal footballer, a phenomenal footballer, but I find it so very hard to like him. And this weekend he gave me another reason to not like him very much. By staying. what was it, stai to poor Alessandro Florenzi, telling him to shut up and saying he was too small to speak. I was very, very happy to see Florenzi go down the other end and get what turned out to be a decisive goal. Because this. what's Ronaldo doing this for? It just doesn't paint him in a good light at all, does it?
0: No, it doesn't, and I think that when you when the comparisons that have gone on for a long time with Lionel Messi, you know, on a on a football perspective, they are very very close. But these are the small margins that people that pe people dislike Ronaldo over, you know, that he's you know he's he's going down somebody's uh, physical attributes route, route, and he's he's certainly very he's someone that very. Um, takes a lot of pride, should we say in his appearance um he was probably particularly disappointed in that bus that was made of him in Madeira <laughs> airport and um yeah it's there's it, it's tipping over that level of arrogance, I suppose what well, is it is that arrogance as opposed to swagger when somebody knows they're so good oh. and um, yeah the whole the whole other issue that he's had this season with the claims made from America. Yeah, there's something a little bit distasteful at times about how he is presented, maybe, even if he's not presenting himself in the media, you know, maybe his associates um don't always help. There was the um the selfie on his private jet immediately. Or I think it was the day after the Emiliano Salah incident mm. that he could have been maybe better advised to not post on his um I think it was on his Twitter or his Instagram page. <laughs> and um what you say it's just it doesn't it doesn't help you like the the young man well was that yeah. young man? <laughs> <laughs> young
2: young for you probably but he's mm. there was something about it, the smile the way he was arrogantly smiling as he said to Florence, you're too smart really really rubbed me up the wrong way and i wanted roma to not win basically because of my own team's interests but I was very, very happy when Florenzi scored, which is a strange contradiction, but it's true and it's what Cristiano brought out of me and I am not very happy with him. Anyway, back to on field well, footballing matters really. Antonio Mirante. He wasn't too bad, Kev.
0: Oh, he had a well, I was gonna say wonderful performance, I don't wanna don't wanna give him too much um, you know, <laughs> credit, but I think he made some crucial saves at some crucial times and unfortunately with Roman this season we're probably Still having the back of our minds, the performances of another goalkeeper on their um <laughs> on their roster. Who are you talking
2: but,
0: about? Oh well, yeah, a certain a certain Swede, maybe. But he did keep them in the game. Um, you know, of a couple of crucial saves, and I'm a little bit of a fan of Marante. I thought that year he was with um Palmer when they they went they went down. Um, you know, it could have been much worse for them. Um, had it been for some of his performances and I was just surprised that uh, Roma hadn't called on him earlier whether that had been when Di Francesco was in post or when Ranieri came in really because I think if you're speaking to people that are already at the club um, and they're aware of even the publicity that Olsen's performances were getting it was almost the ideal opportunity to um, make some changes and that probably would have been one of the positions that uh, the fans would have preferred to have been seen made a little bit sooner
2: yeah for sure and it's it's one of those things as good as he has has been at times there are still some doubts over him and it's probably likely that they'll go out and try and sign a new 1st choice goalkeeper this summer which just adds to the incredible change that will be happening there this summer and this isn't what Roma need because last summer they had this and this summer they're going to have it again. Ranieri won't stay. Dzeko um, could leave. They'll have a new goalkeeper. Daniela De Rossi, has it has been confirmed, will leave Roma at the end of the season. I suppose it's only right for us to take a moment to talk about him because he's played more than 600 games for the club. He is as much of an institution there as Francesco Totti was. If he had played a little further up the pitch, maybe more people around the world would recognise that. Daniela De Rossi is one of the finest midfielders I've seen um, throughout my years watching football. and I'm going to miss him very, very much. He's always been a bit of a favourite player of mine. He's someone who's known for being a bit mad, shall we say. He loses his temper more often than maybe a leader should on the pitch. But he cares about that club which not enough of their players have in recent seasons and he is a bloody good player as well technically speaking he's amazing his reading of the game is phenomenal and just his positional understanding which was shown when was it Antonio Conte no it wouldn't have been Conte who played him Cesare Prandelli when Italy went to a back three at times and Daniela De Rossi stepped in and played alongside Benucci and Chiellini he never let anyone down i really really like daniela de rossi and it looks like he will continue his career probably overseas he's not going to play for another italian club and he'll be missed in A. yeah
0: absolutely he's he's it's almost a shame that he's he never won a, a scudetto with roma um you know to he, he, he never had the quality of totti but there's that legendary status that totti has for being part of that 2000 and, uh, 2001 side and and like you say, when he moved deeper because of his uh, ability to get around the pitch, had waned somewhat. You kind of thought that he he would remain at Roma for at least another couple of seasons if to play a bit part. Now the question is whether he would have been happy with that role because he's he's indicated that he wants to go elsewhere. But then there's there's an, also an element of when players leave clubs and then whether you take a payday, you, you look at the Stephen Gerrard move to LA Galaxy is the one that springs to mind for myself. And it's for the for the year, year and a half playing time they get there, I think I'd, I'd prefer De Rossi to go out as this one club, you know, symbol of, of, of Roma.
2: Yeah, but I, I think when they move overseas to the US or to, to China in particular... They still get remembered as these one-club players. Like When you talk about Steven Gerrard, he's still only a Liverpool player. The the LA Galaxy thing is like, it's like a, a halfway house for him to retirement as far as he sees it. No disrespect to MLS, but that's how it is seen. Mm. And I think De Rossi will do something similar. And I, I feel for him because he clearly didn't want to leave. Uh He had some quite nice comments actually where he said, Everyone tells me I would, I'm already a good sporting director. Well, if I was sporting director at Roma, I would sign a player like me for another year. And I do mm-hmm. think someone of his presence is needed there because they, they've got a lot of young players coming through. And Florenzi aside, who, who himself may not even be there next season, they haven't really got anyone who, who kind of represents Roma, who, who is the, the ultras representative on the pitch.
0: No, well, that's the thing, and I, I think more so the the experience side with what they're trying to do. there. they have got some very young players, and it's all about the role that the players willing to accept as they get into their latter years. And it, look, like you say it doesn't really sound as though De Rossi was, you know, unwilling. He was sort of claiming to be. You've got the additional issue with Ranieri's going to go this summer. And de Rossi was being touted in the well or rumored if you like in the media as to being a potential candidate for either uh, a coaching role or like you say a sporting director role and maybe you need to do make a little bit of a break if you're going to bring in fresh ideas
2: yeah well speaking before we move on from this game Kev, uh the Juventus kit it got its debut it's horrid
0: it is awful and i I, I kind of this is less so focusing on the half and half moving away from the stripes. Although I, I did hear a, an interesting justification for that, which was they got <laughs> so many shirt sales off of Ronaldo signing last year that they, they almost didn't think they'd get that again. So they, um, Adidas were tasked with finding, uh, a design that was more fashionable for people to purchase as they've kind of all gone all out on the uh, Ronaldo shirt sales element. Hmm. But, but the black shorts and socks, it just, it really doesn't look like a Juventus kit. You know, we're so used to seeing them most seasons in white shorts and white socks. And to see them almost predominantly in black on the pitch, it's just, yeah, it's horrific from a... a all manner of angles
2: it is strange isn't it the, there's the theory that it's because the black and white stripes in the usa are associated with with refereeing kits and people didn't want to be oh, walking refereeing. Me. Um, but fair enough okay the the new design i suppose i don't personally like it but they change things every year so maybe they're trying to keep things interesting i don't understand the pink i get the the historical drunk, significance yeah. of pink with Juventus—it was their home shirt very, very early on. They've had it as an away shirt regularly, but the pink stripe that runs between the black and the white part of this kit just seems like it's out of place. I don't really get it at all.
0: No, and I've just I've just seen the new Paris Saint Germain shirt as well, which is has got an, only a, a a passing reference to the red stripe that used to run. Down their shirt, and again, it it all this just looks like another attempt to make a shirt more well significantly different from the years before, so they can make more sales.
2: Mm. I've not seen the PSG club, but they've played around with that red stripe a couple of times in recent seasons.
0: Yeah, and I think it's for that reason, just that you know, because it well, like lots of clubs that either play in a, a solid color, um, say your Manchester United, etc., etc., Napoli there's there's only so much you can do with it so then these people that are trying to sort of increase those shirt sales are going to all manner of links to to make it so different
2: yeah um, football isn't really football anymore it's a, it's a whole host of other things anyway um, inter 2 nil. this was a big much needed win for inter although it probably should have been more than 2 nil i was i kept hope that Kievo would get a late goal throughout most of this, but it was really never going to be. And Inter killed it off late on with I can't remember who scored the second goal late on. Perisic, but Perisic that was who it was. But and they got the his,
0: That was his seventh chance. <laughs> you know, I, I I only caught the highlights of this one, but it was it was it was the reference on the commentary that it was his seventh chance. And I thought, wow, you've needed seven chances to score against Kievo.
2: Big Sorrentino he's, he's hard to beat.
0: Well, he wasn't in. He was wasn't in. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think who was in goal. Yeah, it wasn't, Sorrentino. Yeah, it wasn't Sorrentino. But um, it, again, from the from the highlights, it wasn't that there was this great goalkeeping performance. A bit like when um, uh, Atalanta's 47 shots were kept out against mm. Um Yeah, they just. I, I suppose it. There's an element of you playing the bottom of the league. Um, Politano actually looked quite lively, but Inter are just dragging themselves over the line. And with the rumours that Antonio Conte will only sign with Champions League football, you wonder where the incentive is for Spalletti to actually um, drag them over the line. It's a, um, it's quite
2: a strange one, isn't it? Because even even Conte going in at Juventus, or Juventus there's something that's going to happen all next season if he does go. Um, Conte going in at Inter, it just seems quite strange. I, I'm not completely sold on it. And I can't really put my finger on as to why. I, I suppose maybe if he goes in there, what he brings isn't too different to what Spalletti already has in place. Maybe just a little bit more aggression. But yeah, the style of play isn't going to change all that dramatically.
0: No, and I can't, I can't really remember much of a rebuilding job of Conte at, at Juventus, if you like. You know, whereas he left and Allegri had significant work to do, and then I'm trying to, I'm trying, I can, I can briefly recall that Chelsea were in a bit of a mess when Conte took over there, and obviously in his first season he really did transform, at least the the determination of the players, you know, he, he sparked them into life, but then you'd argue that there was significantly more quality there than what Inter. Definitely. Had.
2: It was a Chelsea team that had won the league and they just downed tools. But in terms of the, the ability being there, it was there, this inter team, I'm not quite sure as much of it is. And especially with Mario Cardi, probably on his way out. Um,
0: you couldn't see Conte managing Marrow Cardi next year you, 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 oh, no. you could expect it to be a clash of personalities there
2: he would kill him uh, and I, I I mean that quite literally as well you wouldn't be surprised if he actually strangled him because mm. he just wouldn't accept any of that nonsense do you remember when he took over at Juve after they finished seventh in consecutive seasons and he walked into the dressing room and just laid into every single one of them many of whom he had played with and then Gigi Buffon did something that he didn't like and Conte at the head off on us uh He wouldn't take any of it, and this is why I think the move will be quite strange. And I just, I'm not sure. There's just something about it that doesn't quite seem right.
0: But, but it's him... got it's got that feeling that it'll either go amazingly well, or it will go catastrophically badly. You yeah, know, for sure. that the, the whole thing would explode around. January, February with them struggling to make the Champions League places, or they will be six points ahead of Juve going into the new year. It's it's I don't know, it has that feel that you, there's no middle ground there if Conte takes over.
2: No, you wouldn't be surprised if he took over and they went and won the league, but you equally wouldn't be surprised if he went in there, Akadi stayed and the whole thing was them sitting in mid table in February or May, or February or March, whatever but which is probably um, more likely yeah probably Luciano Spalletti was complaining in midweek saying that journalists have been writing the same thing about Inter for what was it, nine years I suppose since they won the treble but Inter just keep doing the same thing <laughs> and I kind yeah. of half ingest we to do something different then but there's a bit of truth there because we sit here and talk about Inter in the same light every single season um The cycle changes, but the end result doesn't. So a couple of years ago, they were winter champions. Sometimes they start the season well, then fade off. Others, they come strong at the end. But the end result is always little more than mediocrity.
0: Yeah, I suppose when they they did um, achieve that treble back in 2010, it was on the back of significant investment, getting a manager that was at the top of his game. You know, when can we last say that about Inter? They've almost—I wouldn't say they've necessarily made budget signings, but they've—they've they've sometimes tried to be too clever um, with picking players up or strengthening the wrong areas. Um, they might—they might well have got the the centre halves right at the moment, um, but in a not too distant future, they're going to have to replace the goalkeeper. Mm. Um, I, I think Rajan Angolan was a one of those. Signings that you make based on a couple of years' performances of the Belgian, but no long-term benefit to you. You know what resale have they got for him if it if it didn't set, um, go to plan, which it it, it hasn't really.
2: No, and, and the fact that they let Zaniolo go to make it happen, which just shows a, a bit of a lack of forward thinking. But with Pepe Marotta there, you would expect that to change. You, he worked absolute wonders with Juventus and probably doesn't get the credit he deserves for Juventus' still current stranglehold on Serie A. Mm. But let's finish with that, shall we? Um, before we move on to the next game, it's that time of year again, Kev, as I'm sure you have been made aware through our communication group. But it's time for the fourth Italian Football Awards. The nominees are out and it looks like there's going to be some, some nice new winners in there this season. Obviously, we've got all the usual categories. Coach of the year, team of the year, player of the year, veteran of the year, young player of the year, goal of the year. And what's missing? The Marco Materazzi Award for Greatness, which is always a close fought contest. Anyway, I don't know if you've had the chance to have a look at the categories and the the nominees there yet, Kev, but I've already cast my votes.
0: I made some nominations when we were uh, drawing up the shortlist as a a group, but I haven't looked at the nominations yet other than uh, retweeting.
2: Well, you'll need to get over there and have a look, but I'll, I'll go through a couple of them. So for the player of the season, I was looking at it. It's quite difficult. Some of the standout candidates in there are Fabio Quagliarella, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, Papu Gomez, Giorgio Chiellini, Armando Izzo, Bruno Alves, and big Duvan Zapata all in there. For team of the season, we've got six. Juventus, Napoli, Atalanta, Torino, Sampdoria, and Spal. And for coach of the season, Massimiliano Allegri, Carlo Ancelotti, Gian Piero Gasparini, the obvious winner, um, Walter Bazzari, Sinisa Mihailovic, Leonardo Semplici, and Marco Giampaolo. We'll go through a couple more of these categories later on, but.
0: Did you say want... you've already voted?
2: I have voted, mate. Yes, I
0: might sir. leave mine until after the Copper Italia.
2: But it's for Serie A.
0: Ah. Uh... Okay. Well, actually, I don't think actually I don't think it really matters because I think i will probably still plump for Atalanta as team of the season.
2: It's hard not to. Yeah. Fourteenth biggest wage, but and they were sitting third for a bit at the weekend. But yeah, they're the nominations for well, not all of the player of the season nominations, but player of the season, team of the season, coach of the season, as well as many others. Head over to Italianfootball.com now and cast your vote. But anyway, let's truck on with this. Where will we go next? Okay, let's go to Bergamo via Reggio Emilia, where Atalanta briefly took control of third place, or at least took control of the Champions League spot by beating Genoa 2-1. It wasn't always going their way. It took two second-half goals, but no one in Serie A has scored more second-half goals than Atalanta this season. And a bit of a strange atmosphere. The, the Ultras did their bit behind the goal, but... Obviously playing near three hundred kilometres away from your home city isn't ideal. And they got the job done, Kevin. That's all that really matters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the atmosphere did appear a little flat on the um on the T V. But um maybe this stage of the season being this close to securing Champions League, there's also a little bit of um nervousness um coming into the crowd. But I thought Musa Barrow's first touch for that that opening goal was, was wonderful almost. Not only killed it, but he almost put the enough weight on it just to break into his shot. It almost made up for the poor-ish effort that the goalkeeper nearly stopped.
2: I think this was an accident. Because Muzabaro has one of the worst first touches in Serie A. So I think he must have been trying to do something else with that.
0: Play Honestly, it wide.
2: He's like a wall. The ball just bounces off him. And he's He's lively. Once he has the ball under control, he can he can strike fear into a defence. But, yeah, his first touch is horrid, usually. But this is his first area A goal of the season. After that purple patch at the end of last year, and then his good start this season in the Europa League qualification rounds, he hasn't really had much of a look-in, given Zapata's form since, what, November onwards? But I was very happy to see him get on the score sheet. And then Timothy Castagna, who's In a good bit of form lately. Got another big goal and Atalanta were on their way. Genoa did pull one back, which was quite a nicely worked goal, actually. Pandev got it in the end. But the backheel that set him up was beautiful. But the Griffone, the Griffone are in. I think it's fair to say a little bit of trouble now. They are on 36 points, just one point ahead of Empoli. Yeah. and if, they, if
0: only Vito was here. Yeah, well,
2: his boys didn't do their city cousins any favours, did they? Because they allowed Ampli to beat them 2-1 at the Marassi. But Genoa are in real trouble down there.
0: They are, and I don't know, you know, for weeks we've probably not even been worried, acknowledging the you know, the the free fall, because they've kind of either ground out a draw or they've just they've lost but gone
2: but this is they when they lost at Bologna that should have been it but they've won twice since and you don't expect relegated teams to win two of their final four games and it's exactly what they've done they were lucky to play Fiorentina who haven't won in about 12 years and then they came up against the Sampdoria team who were on the beach and maybe not opposed to the idea of putting Genoa under a bit of trouble um So, I don't know, Empoli are kind of storming up. And I I thought they were gone after that Bologna game. But I think momentum always plays a big part. But what you've got to say is Empoli's next two games, Torino and Inter, who are both going for Champions League football. So, you wouldn't be surprised if Empoli didn't pick up another point between now and the end of the season. Personally, I hope they pick up six points between now and the end of the season. But
0: The more I look at that last game of the season between Empoli and Inter it looks like it's going to have a massive say in the Champions League and the relegation battle you would think so could you be uh, could be interesting on the final day and it's at Inter it is it's check. at the Stadio Giuseppe oh, be oh yes yeah, because Inter are waiting to Napoli this weekend
2: yeah they, they're Blumenwell well archive yeah. mm. which is going to be an interesting game um any, any more for... Ah, uh, Coppa Italia finals. I'm going to Rome tomorrow or today, depending on... Well, it is, yeah, it is today. It literally is, which... I'm very, very nervous about this game. And I know Atalanta have beaten Lazio twice this season, but that makes me more nervous.
0: Is it 22,000 from Atalanta? I saw it yeah. 22,000 and 30,000 for
2: Lazio. Mm.
0: Because... Um, are the ticket prices extortionate? They can't be as extortionate as um, Champions League or well, as hard to get to as Baku.
2: It's typical of Italian football where there were some reasonably priced tickets, but then the next category up was mad. So I'm paying a lot of money for my ticket. Um, well, it's, it's, it should be a good game, at least, between these two teams.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, Lazio have picked up in recent weeks as well. Um, not that you want to hear that. But um, you know, Atalanta being the, the great entertainers in this competition as well as Syria. Um, wouldn't it be nice to see a four three or a three two? No. Um, because with Juventus in the final the last few years, <clears throat> the opposition have, have almost looked to nullify them for the majority of the game and we've had a, a couple of shootouts or well, I think mean, other than it was Lazio that Juve beat 4 0, was that two seasons ago? Oh, oh, no, was it Milan last year when Donnarumma made his absolute howlers for a couple?
2: I think so. But, I, I'm but again, to white,
0: whitewashes to aren't really entertaining. You want something that's fairly fairly even. Yeah, you um, do, but you also,
2: when your team's in it, you don't. You, you want well, a no. complete drubbing. But uh, I'm very, very excited. And I'll, I'll say it again, Atalanta were founded in 1907. Fifty-six years later, they won the Coppa Italia in 1963. Fifty-six years later, 2019. So it's in the stars, Kev, which means they're absolutely not going to win it. But we won't spend too long talking about it because by the time most people listen to this, I will either I will be crying one way or another. But hopefully it's tears of happiness. Anyway, uh, back to the FIF Awards 2019. We've got the goal of the season category, which Head over to the website and you can watch each of the five finalists for this. Fabio Quagliarella's an incredible backheel goal in, I think, September, very, very early, early in the season. I hadn't moved to Parma against First Amphitheatre against Napoli. Gervinio for Parma against Cagliari. I was there. He ran the pitch. It was very good. Rolando Mandragara for Udinese against Genoa, which was ridiculous. Every time you see it, it gets a little bit better. Then we've got Luis Muriel for Fiorentina against Sampdoria. One of his two goals—I can't remember which one it is—but I was there, and both goals were amazing. And then Nicolas Agnolo's goal for Roma against Sassuolo, where he put Andrea Consigli on his bum and then just dinked it over him beautifully. Do you remember these goals, Kev?
0: Yeah, I—I'm I, sitting here now wondering if Qualiarella is going to win most of our awards. He's, he's certainly a very strong candidate for Player of the Season, then Veteran of the se- of the season. Mm. And I, I'm. I think I would just about give his goal against Napoli. I, I suppose the only problem with it, depending on what criteria you're using to, to to grade these things, is that it was very early in the season. Um, but the sheer audacity of it—that
2: was and, it was bad.
0: Um,
2: and I don't know the whole the story around it as well. It was against Napoli. Yeah, his yeah. boyhood club, where it all went so wrong for him, through no fault of his own. Yeah. Ah uh, Quagliarella, if he wins if everything this year i will be happy.
0: He's refusing to celebrate mm. because it is Napoli yeah and but it made the goal because it it, it almost it wasn't if you are if unaware of the link to Napoli and you're watching it from afar you just think he's almost saying to the world that's how good I am. But Kev you know, he he does this stuff all the time. He, oh yeah exactly he's but it made it look like goal. it was it was like that Cantonard chip over a Sunderland goalkeeper, I think yeah. it was. And he just turns around and he just holds his arms out and goes, Yeah, that's how good I am. And that's what that that non-celebration made it look like Quagliarella was doing that arrogant, that arrogant thing that we kind of almost slated Ronaldo for earlier. But it, it, it does lend something to the to the weight of how good that goal was.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just from a
0: visual sort of perspective.
2: I'd agree with that completely. Um uh, then the next category we've got signing of the season the categories Christoph Piontek, you can take your pick of which clubs because he's been good for mm-hmm. both um Cristiano Ronaldo, Nicolò Zaniolo, Duván Zapata, Gervinho, Fabian Ruiz, Bruno Alves, Francesco Acerbi, Luis Muriel and Stefan De Vrij I've given my vote to Big Bruno. Who gets yours?
0: Um I think I, although he's only been good I would say at Milan um Piontek's goals that he got at the start of the season could keep Jenner up, and for the for the for the fee that he was purchased for, um, you know, and the the unexpected success that he had coming into a new league as well. I mean, you give him a you give him some credit for that,
2: for sure. And then uh, the other side of that coin, there there have been some signings that haven't quite gone to plan. I'm disappointed my Ali Adnan nomination didn't make the finalists, but the worst signing of the season. Nominations are Robin Olson, Simone Edwin, Gonzalo Aguain, Javier Pastore, Marco Piazza, Rajan Angelan, Davide Spina, Milan Badel, Keita Balde, Simo Rosalco, Mattia Caldara. How's he got That's a disgrace. And Federico Santander. Um, I've voted for your best friend. And I'm Candaro's sure is
0: hardly paid.
2: I know, but it's not his fault. He's been injured.
0: Yeah, well, no, but I mean that. So why there should have been a there should have been a criteria?
2: I agree, but our team of writers are obviously incompetent. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, I must um, admit, I I know you said you voted for Olsen, but when you know you you announced Gonzalo Higuain, and I had flashbacks of just how bad he was at Milan. At least Olsen stuck around for the season.
2: I've got to be in my bonnet about this because I don't think Higuain was anywhere near as bad at Milan as people say he was. For the first couple of months, he was very, very good. And he was driving them forward. And then he became the victim. And the fans just decided to hate him. I think Mm -hmm. the only time where it went really, really badly wrong was against Juventus. Other than that, I think Higuain is a victim of what he's always a victim to, which is people just take a disliking to him and decide to call him fat. And I don't think he was as bad as it was made Mm -hmm. out. I know he didn't score many, but...
0: No. there was that. a i think mean, i suppose you always remember the like any bad relationship you you remember the the back end of it and yeah. um he looked he looked very disinterested towards the end of his time at milan
2: that's mm, true this is true uh, and then the last category for now loser of the season we've got racist fans which it's it's bad but that that's always a a finalist in this category racist fans which isn't mm. very good. We've got Mauro, Icardi and Wanda, Legasaria, FIGC, Chievo, Massimiliano Allegri in the Champions League, Enrico Preziosi, the general president, or Big Pippo and Zaghi. I've reluctantly given my vote to Wanda and Mauro, even though I love their Instagram posts. But Kev, who do you think is the loser of the season?
0: I think there's a good shout for Juventus, given the way they exited the Champions League. Hmm. Um, you know, at that point they were out of the Copper Italia, so they were only fighting on one front. They were, I suppose the argument is obviously that it's a knockout competition, so as much as you try and focus on it, you are dependent on what happens over those 90 or 120 minutes. But they, sh- they should have done better. You know, I know Ajax played some phenomenal football and they knocked out Real Madrid, but yeah, um, they should have probably done a bit better. They should have. Anyway, back to the football. Someone who Mm -hmm. did do
2: a bit better in the last five minutes of their game than in the previous 80-whatever were Torino. They beat Zaswalo 3-2. And they were 2-1 down with, what, 88 minutes played? Andrea Mm -hmm. Bellotti got two. He missed a terrible penalty. He came very close with an overhead kick and then scored with an overhead kick. Simone Zadza scored. Torino are... Torino can be fun. I remember my first game of the season this year was Torino-Roma, and one of the little sub-headlines I put in it was Torino can be fun. And they haven't proven it enough this season, but they bloody well proved it at the weekend. They were very, very good.
0: Yeah, they were fun on uh, Sunday morning, and it was uh, it was a fun game, and it was a surprising because the 12-30 uh, kickoffs are not always... Um, mm-hmm the most entertaining. Everybody looks like they would have preferred a, an extra hour or two in bed. Um, Bellotti's first half penalty, I think because it's in the first half, it's fairly early. He's just gone for sheer power. I think we would have been criticising more if he hadn't then done uh, a wonder, wonderful bicycle kick to um, to win the game. I just, I still don't know if they're going to, quite catch up and push for the Champions League. But I think they've got a really good shout for European um, qualification.
2: This is it. But with Torino and even with Atalanta, the Champions League is never an expectation. If they get the Champions League, that's ridiculous. If they get Europa League, that's incredible. That Either of those teams playing in the Europa League is an amazing, amazing achievement. But Torino, as it stands, they're in the in seventh place, which will become a what a Europa League place if Atalanta win the Coppa Italia. Um, if not, Lazio can finish eighth and get the the place through the cup. So mm. Torino need to hang on where they are and pray that Atalanta do the job tomorrow. But yeah, I think. We've, we spoke about, about Torino last week and the week before, so we won't go into them in too much depth this week. So I think we should just move on, Kev. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Fiorentina nil, Milan 1, because this is one of the two games I was at this weekend. And Milan got the win. They looked... People were losing their minds a bit, saying that this is an amazing performance for Milan. Fiorentina are terrible. And Milan were good, but steady because Fiorentina haven't won at home in 2019. They haven't scored in four games, they haven't won at all in 12 and they are outsiders for relegation. They're only 5 points off the drop. Fiorentina guess they're an absolute disaster.
0: Fiorentina are and I think like you say Milan weren't that much better. Yeah, look it was it was fairly even at times. Um I saw somebody um, on Twitter suggesting that with a different coach uh, Fiorentina you know a a top half side I think ninth maybe um, because they've got they've got issues with scoring goals Um, if Chiesa's not doing it there's few others that are in any form Muriel is starting to do what he usually does I think the the contribution from him is starting to wane a little Um, and if yeah you know, Simeone doesn't get his act together as Simone even. Um where do they go next year? Because the other sides, if if the likes of Torino can keep their keep that squad together and keep playing with that same energy and you've got Bologna under Mihailovic that are improving what are Fiorentina fans expecting next season?
2: I know, right? This is this is the concern for them as well because Bologna under Mihailovic, and Spal as well, with Semplici. They're in that category now of teams who could finish mid-table and maybe push for eighth or something, which pushes Fiorentina a little bit further down. Chiesa will leave. Surely he will leave. Simeone, you could see him going somewhere else and doing very, very well. There's been links with him and Atalanta this week, and you could see him going and playing under Gasparini and scoring 15 goals in Serie A next year. Um, Luis Muriel looks like he's going to stay um, Fiorentino will exercise the the purchase option in his agreement with Sevilla but beyond that there's nothing there Cristiano Barraghi could get a move if he wanted to you'd imagine and it's just it's not a good time for them it's really not and you've got to feel for them oh, excuse me I'm very very tired right now but uh, Milan they got their win they're still in the conversation for me Kev, they're still favourites to get the Champions League places just because Atalanta have Juventus and Milan have two very, very winnable games and the head-to-head advantage over Atalanta. So I could see Atalanta picking up three points, Milan picking up six, and Milan just about getting in there ahead of them.
0: See, I, I don't see them beating Spell on the last last day.
2: Spell have nothing left to play for.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah, but... I don't know. I I also see Atleti getting something at Juve. I don't know. I don't I don't think I'd make them. I don't know if I make them favourites. Um, I think mean, depending on the the Coppa Italia result as well, Lazio could either get a boost or be so driven after you know, say say they lose it um, to push Milan tight. It's all quite interesting out there, but I I don't know. I think it's just all a bit a little too too little too late. And and the performances just worry me. It worries me actually if if Milan were to get Champions League because I I honestly think that Atalanta would be would give a better account of themselves because there's so much for someone to do at Milan. There's question marks over whether Gattuso stays.
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: At least there's an identity there at Atalanta under Gasparini.
2: If Cattuzzo stays, he shouldn't. What happens? It's just going to be more of the same. But if he goes, what do they do? Who comes in?
0: It's... Mm. And like I said earlier about um, Piontek's season at Milan being good, that's all it's been. And considering he was the the great white hope, you know, we had the issue over the curse number nine, so they gave him 19. He started very well, but when you know Milan need goals to see off games, he's not been doing it of late. And there's the obvious argument there about the The creativity behind him. But, yeah, he was talked in the same breath as Shevchenko. You know, that sort of. But was he
2: ever really spoken in that same breath?
0: I mean, other than than Twitter. It's whether the fans want to believe it because things are so grim. But it, it still highlights that they've got to reinforce and that he's probably, at best, going to be long-term, a backup striker, unless they get someone... You know, Higuain was the level of striker, if you like, or player, let's say player, that Milan needs to look at if they're going to regularly challenge for the Champions League.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I do think there's trouble there, even if they get Champions League, which might actually... Them getting Champions League might actually turn out to be a bit of a bad thing, because they might think, OK... We're not as bad as people said we are, and they won't do, spend the money that they need to spend to to become a Champions League level club. They could, you could see them getting the Champions League and getting there, getting absolutely embarrassed next yeah, season. I,
0: but I think there might have been an element of that with Roma this year, getting to the semis as well last year. I mean, there was there was a part they 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 obviously had a bit of a recruitment drive this uh this summer with Monchi, but they they almost had a oh, that's so a gun approach, but it was, there were small players in lots of positions they purchased rather than, you know, we just, we've, we've spoken tonight about De Rossi leaving, mm. you know, replace that role, replace someone with the, the experience, um, the knowledge of maybe the league, Champions League, um, and also they lost Nangalan. You know, they, 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 they kind of built a, built a squad of inexperienced players for all those positions, but mm. never really strengthened the spine of the team. Yeah. You know, they lost Alisson as well. It's, and I think it's because they they kind of thought De Francesco was going to do exactly what he did last year.
2: I think he Roma had. getting to the Champions League really did kind of tar over a lot last year because Roma were quite poor for most of last season. And that Barcelona game kind of overshadows everything.
0: But... Yeah. I think mean, there were some astonishing stats as to points that um, Alisson's saves had. Uh, made them as well. Yeah, but anyway, let's
2: move on again. Let's dip mm. back into the the FAF Awards. The veteran player of the season category. Have we done that? No, we haven't. No. There's some there some great names in this. Fabio Qualiarella, Sergio Polizia, Andrea Barzali, Goran Pandev, Big Bruno Alves, Rodrigo Palacio, Daniela De Rossi, Manuel Pascual, Sergio Flocari, Stefano Sorrentino, Emiliano Moretti, and Dario Serna. That's quite a nice little category. I've given my vote to Quaggs. It was hard between him and Bruno, but Quaggs deserves it. If you're looking to get sentimental, I think the obvious choices are Pelissier, Barzagli, or Daniela De Rossi. Given they will all be out of there this season. But Kev, who do you think?
0: I'd, I'd probably go. I'd probably go Quagliarella. But it would probably be on the back of, I might have a, a longer thought, think about who I gave the player of the season to. Because uh, um, I think he's obviously, he's, he's right up there. Um, but Sampdoria have kind of punched about their weight and he's just, just got the majority of the goals. Um, I think we spoke last week about Atalanta Atlanta being an outstanding team, but there's no one... That's really, really shot out. So you you argued for Gomez last last week, but yeah, I'd probably give my veteran um, my veteran vote to Qualiarella. Okay, then the opposite end. We've got
2: young player of the season. They had to be twenty-one or younger at the beginning of the season. Uh, Empoli's Hamid Junior Traore, Moise Ken, Nicola Zaniolo, Gianluigi Donnarumma, Alban Lafont, Nicola Barella, Riccardo Orsellini. How's he gotten in there? Um, Ola Aina, Christian Kwame, Federico Chiesa, Ismael Benasser, Adam Unas, Alessandro Bastoni, Christian Romero, Lucas Pacquotà and Rodrigo Bentancur. I've given my vote to Niccolò Barella because I love him. I think he's an absolute joy. Crazy, hot-headed, but technically phenomenal and the future of Italy's midfield. What are you reckoning for that?
0: See, I thought the same. I think a lot of people will go for Moise Ken because of the the publicity and the sort of the the you know the level of of what Juventus have been playing at, but but Barella is a player that really um, excites me, makes me smile. I like that that tigerish attitude and that tips over the edge. And when we're talking about De Rossi again leaving Roma, uh-huh. Barella did say that Roma was his preferred option. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm not dreaming that a, a few weeks ago. He'd be amazing there. Um, I'd love would...
2: Borella at Napoli or something, though. But
0: yeah, if I was Roma, I would be going all out because I don't, I don't know if they're going to get the chance to sign another player of similar um, age and potential.
2: Yeah, well, he's, he doesn't want to leave Italy. He wants to stay in Italy. And going from living in Sardinia to living in Milan or Turin, is, is very, very different. Rome, it still has that little bit of chaos about it. I think he'd find the the adjustments a little bit easier and he'd be a really, really important player straight away. I think Federico Chiesa is probably the favourite for that, which is one of the reasons I didn't vote for him, and Boise Ken? which I think is wrong because as much as I, I like what Ken did in that spell, he had, what, three good weeks, a good month? Yeah, it was, a sh-
0: it was a very short period.
2: Before and since, he's, it was very, very quiet. The next category is the Marco Materazzi Award for Greatness. There are two nominees. To see them, go to ItalianFootball.com because I'm not going to say them on here. Anyway, where are we now, Kev? We've got some more games to get through very, very quickly.
0: Uh, um, we just we skip
2: uh, Cagliari Lazio and just go straight down to the bottom?
0: uh yes apart from I would use this opportunity to say how ridiculous the non-punishment of the Cagliari fans Uh,
2: ah there we go yeah um ridiculous but not even a little bit surprising
0: no but I saw some um I saw some interesting um defense of Italian fans um I won't you know I've I mean, I can probably remember who tweeted it, but I don't think they deserve any recognition. Suggesting that it wasn't the Italian fans that were racist, it was that there was one person or multiple people in charge of the uh, figuacci that were racist, and that allowed them to get this. And I thought oh, that's a that's a bit of a a sad attempt at discounting what the actual calorie, what you know, fans did. So- I, I, I understand that it's not everybody.
2: And it was a
0: considerable bunch. Yeah, exactly. I think I think blaming I, they were effectively saying that if the league, if the league um, powers at the top are inherently racist, then people will still continue doing racist things because they know they can get away with it. But I think that's only a small argument here. I think it's you know that you've still got these people in a stadium and their fellow fans and things still need to call them out. You can't just say you know it's one of those. Don't do as I do, do as I tell you. Uh,
2: there's, we're still a long way from that here, from people calling out others from for racism. It's, it's just so much more accepted. Like the number of times you just hear things in passing, it's, just, it's ridiculous. And the, it's a societal problem, but football has to do its part to try and stamp it out of football. Mm. Football can't eliminate it from society, but football has to say, it's not happening here. And mm. it's pathetic. But look, we've got...
0: Yes, let's not end another show. No, let's the... not do that.
2: Uh, look, we've we've made our thoughts on it known a hundred times this season and throughout recent seasons. And no doubt, we'll be sitting here next season having the same conversations because nothing's going to change. Uh, but yeah, so down to the bottom, Bologna beat Parma 4-1 in the the derby of Emilia-Romagna, and all of a sudden, Emilia-Romagna football has flipped on its head a little bit because Bologna are the forum team. Parma look like they, they could get relegated. They're just three points above the drop zone. And I'll tell you, everybody I speak to here is very, very worried because they don't know where the win is going to come from. And I can understand why, because they've won two games in 2019. Their last win was a 1-0 over Genoa on the 9th of March. And the Crociati are in serious trouble. I know they've got Fiorentina to come next, but then they play Roma on the last day away. And there are big problems.
0: Yeah, they look a little clueless. And um, Vito last week said that giovino was trying to do too much. But when I watch the games, it's, it, it's almost as if he's the only person... Trying, you know, there's often a a reliance when when you have a a standout player, or which he was probably for the start of the season, that you look for him to to give you that, you know, that spark. And he certainly made that driving run and played the the delicate little pass through for Inglasey to to get their consolation goal against Bologna. Mm. Well, but I think they could be very lucky by the amount of points they picked up at the start of the season. But they've almost rode this wave of coming up directly through the the league structure after their their troubles, and the, obviously the history around the club. But they they could they could through probably other clubs being worse than if you if you like stay up by the skin of their teeth. But they've got some some major work to do there in the summer.
2: Yeah, they absolutely do. Um, I think the best thing for Palmer is Roberto Inglese coming back because he's just about the only player on the team that Ejavino passes to. He doesn't seem to trust anyone else with the ball. And
0: OK. No, and if, if he can put some performances in like he did, there was one that really impressed me against, uh, against Juve earlier in the season. Um... Oh, that was
2: the first time I was at the Tardini this year and he, he was yeah. amazing
0: then. His hold up play, I think if you if you, if you can do that out from Inglesi and then get more players into the you know um into the box or in and around the box um they might actually grab themselves another couple of goals. Mm. Particularly well, if Fiorentina play as badly as they have done.
2: This is it. Fiorentina are poor. And Kuchko will be back. They Kuchka Javinio and Inglese as a a trio getting involved going forward could be quite interesting, but they'll be without big Bruno Alves, Kev, because the little snake, the little rat, Riccardo Orselini mugged him off. I'm not happy about this.
0: I saw your, your outrage on Twitter and um, they, they didn't show enough replays of the challenge, but I, I just think it's it's the stupid it's the sheer stupidity to try. And, what does he think is going to result in trying to pull him up, pull him up from the ground? That challenge?
2: was just rage. That was just complete rage. Um, but this the is situation.
0: This is a you know I understand age is no uh, barrier for instant rage, but um, he's he's got you know this is where when we're talking about them being within touching distance of going down. You that you you have to keep your cool. You know, you are very important this side staying up and you go and do something so stupid, so I, I suppose blatant in the modern era, because that probably would have just been brushed aside after already being booked.
2: But does this need to be a sending off? He's just grabbed his shirt telling him to get up. If when I I had this described to me before I saw it, and I thought, oh no bruno's like grabbed or you by the neck or something he just pulled the shirt i think no, he this needs a speaking to
0: but this is but this is what i'm saying it's you know yeah you know, god we had a uh, we had uh burabia getting sent off for pulling the shirt over his head when he didn't even take his shirt off oh, you know you got a second yeah. booking for that um and and these players have been you know this isn't this isn't a rule that's just come in this season it you know it's not that the referees have suddenly got less lenient over things like this. It's, it happens all the time. You've, you know, you've got to show. Because when you get to that stage in your career, you are being bought for your experience, for those players around you. And you've, you've got to keep your cool.
2: It's a derby. I don't know. I can, I can understand the points you're making if he completely lost his mind.
0: I know you're still mourning the loss of the pictures of Alves from your laptop, but it was stupid.
2: It it wasn't intelligent,
0: but okay. I I don't. Isn't
2: think that? It, no, you can, it wasn't it's intelligent. Middle ground
0: between uninte- okay. not intelligent. And, okay,
2: um, stupid. But I don't know. I don't
0: think ill-advised.
2: Ill-advised is exactly what I'm going for. Yeah, it was ill-advised, but it was a momentary reaction, and he didn't actually hit anyone. He pulled someone's shirt.
0: Well, Hittins Hittins are straight red. You know, this was a second booking, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I think I'll go on to your side of the argument because given what he saw happen last week with Yuri Kuchka, get booked, then get angry and then get a second booking, he shouldn't have done it. I agree. Um, For them to lose two important players in consecutive weeks through the same incident, must be infuriating for Roberto de Versa, who had been doing quite a good job there this season. He still has done quite a good job there, to be fair. Oh, excuse me. Um, To be fair, but no. Bruno can't do any wrong in my eyes. Sorry. Uh, What else have we got? Udinese got a win. Obviously, they played for Zanoni.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, this alongside the Empley game, there were... There was sort of little to choose between the two. They just seemed to get results, which have plummeted Jenner into trouble. Um, Akakas can be given some credit because he made the run for the opening goal, but his shot was awful. It took a deflection off the heel of the defender and effectively outwitted the goalkeeper. Frozen um, only the ideal team to play when you were in free fall, which Udinese appeared to be. Um, it, it it just, it looks so intriguing down at that bottom uh, part of the table.
2: Yeah, it is, isn't it? Because we've got Empoli in 18th on 35 points, Genoa on 36, Udinese 37, Parma 38. And then there's those three teams who won't get relegated, Bologna, Cagliari and Fiorentino on 40. It's all to play for. It really is. And Empoli have the momentum now.
0: They do, yeah. And I, I, again, I suppose when I was saying about frozenone being an ideal team to play Sampdoria, uh, have got little to focus on now, and we're like you said earlier, probably happy to uh, plunge Genoa deeper into the mire. I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I've been saying Empley all season. Um. It's that inter game. It's yeah. that it's that inter game at Inter.
2: But even Torino next. It's big.
0: Yeah. But but I could see them, you know, I could see Torino. I could see them grinding something out. Inter just has that Inter last year against Lazio last, last game of the season. I don't know why. There's just something about me that says if Inter needs to, to do something on that last last day. Um, they will, and it will be to the detriment of Empoli's Serie A survival.
2: If you look at it, Genoa have to play Cagliari at home next week and then Fiorentina away. Genoa could easily pick off six points there. Um, Udinese have Spal at home, and then they've got Cagliari away. So they could Those, quite easily get yeah. some points there too.
0: Uh, Those I games think... for Genoa, though, they're, they're ones that you if you were a betting man, you wouldn't put money on. You yeah. know what I mean? They're more likely to go yeah, you know, anyway, which way or...
2: I think you'd be more likely to put money on Genoa picking up points than Empoli. Yeah. Given they've got to... I think Empoli have just left themselves with too much to do um, because they've got two teams who could be in the Champions League next year to come and which which means they've played all the bad teams and they've not done enough. So, yeah, I don't know. I think they're probably still in trouble. Uh, Quick points. Before we finish, uh, Spal won Napoli 2. This was fun. Despite the weather being horrid, I had a lovely Saturday afternoon and evening in Florence. I had an even better Sunday morning and early afternoon in Florence. The weather was fantastic. Then I took a train, went through the mountains, came back out into Emilia-Romagna, and the weather was terrible. And it was bad in Ferrara. And Napoli and Spal played out. What was quite an entertaining game, to be fair. There were some good goals. Alain got a really nice one. Mario Rui got a bit of a bullet. And who scored? Andrea Batania scored for Spal. This was quite fun, Kev. Um, but there's nothing interesting to say about it.
0: <laughs> no. Napoli continue. Yeah, really surprising goal scorers. You know, a surprise of the goal scorers and a surprise of the, the quality of the strikes. Mm. Um, But yeah, it was a... The, the weather was probably the most interesting part of the game.
2: Um, yeah. And Carlo Ancelotti didn't do his press conference. I don't know why he sent his assistant. Um, Semplici was happy. He wished us all a good Sunday, which was nice of him. But that was that was it. Palermo have been removed from their Serie B playoff position and told to get down to Serie C because they have problems, which is a shame because we were looking forward to potentially seeing them back in Serie A.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I went to Catania on the uh, the lovely island of Sicily once. And um, dare I say, I've been kind of waiting for Palermo to get back up to go and have another visit. <laughs> um, I might be waiting a little longer. Not that I should be discounting Serie B and Serie G. But, uh, you know, I've seen plenty of lower league football across Europe. Uh, but you know Zamparini's got rid of the club now let's hope it's almost a, it means it's a fresh break for the club and uh, they start fighting their way back up to to um, Serie A
2: uh, Zamparini'll um, be back that's just the way it goes <laughs> he'll be back soon
0: well yeah I remember the last time they attempted to sell it to that um, the guy that didn't the guy have the tattoos
2: any money and uh, <laughs> well
0: what was his name
1: I
2: can't remember. He was an American guy, right? Half yeah,
0: American, I did but... a, I did a, because I had to do some research to do a piece on him. And, um, he wasn't quite as crazy as Zamperini. Mm. Um, but it, it wasn't the stability that the club wanted. And that that's what you kind of hope that if he can stay away long enough, that they'll get a little bit of stability and, and start yeah climbing their way back up. If not, you know, nobody's, nobody's got a, a right to be in Syria, but at least to, um, to have that stability that, that that fans of any club in the world want to have um, would be nice.
2: Yeah, well, looking at the playoffs now, it means Benevento and Pescara are the confirmed semi-finalists. So they will play their away uh, semi-final games on the, the 21st and 22nd before having the home return leg on the 25th and the 26th. And the quarter-finalists... Fighting to play against them. We've got Spezia and Cittadella and Verona against Perugia. So there's a very good chance we might have a new team coming in this area for our recent seasons. But I want Benevento back or Pescara. I don't want Verona back because I don't know, I don't like him that much. But Benevento or Pescara, please, that would be nice. It would allow me to go to a new stadium as well. So I'd like that. But... all right. Kev, we done. It looks like it looks like it thank you you've been you've been nice it's been nice Come to have on. this alone time with you again
0: well, i'm sure vita will be back soon enough
2: he will he will and we'll be happy to have him back yeah Just continue
0: to, our threesome
2: um don't say it like that why'd you have to, <laughs> why'd you have to do that <laughs> after your won the Nicardi chat last weekend oh, that's not yeah. what people want to hear um but yeah everyone go over to fortitalianpopole.com and vote in the FIF Awards for the season, it's always fun. To see who wins. Make it a clean sweep for the old boys, please. Qualiarella and Bruno Alves, give them all of your votes, um, and then Gasparini and Atalanta for
0: coaching. Connor, hello. Well, while you're mentioning the old boys, Are you I, did talk a, about I did. Yourself? I know. I, I did have a thought when you've been moaning about my. Um, the problem I have with Quagliarello being in the uh, in the in the Azuri setup, yeah. Were you calling for Luca Tony to be included when he was Caponcini Cognieri a few years back?
2: Uh,
0: was anybody?
2: I can't remember, but there's a big, 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 big difference. Okay, a big, big difference. Luca Tony has never been very good at football, <laughs> right? <laughs> and. <laughs> That season when he scored, what was it, 22 goals? I think he was Navot Mario Cardi. Um, All of his goals were from inside the six-yard box because someone else passed it to him and gave him, you know those FIFA cheat goals where you go one-on-one and then knock it across. Well,
0: there uh, have been a few penalties for Qualiorella, which there also were for Tony that season.
2: Yeah, I I, li- I like Luca Tony, right? Um, although he's he's a friend of Salvini now, which is... Slightly disappointing, but not really surprising. Anyway, I can't remember if I was backing Luka to get involved or not. Just, but...
0: I was just defending my stance that the Azuri need youth. And...
2: So, do you, are you standing with, you hate Qualiorella still?
0: Do not hate Qualiorella. I will possibly vote for him at least in at least multiple cases.
2: Are you jealous? Because he's younger than you, isn't he?
0: Oh, I don't know if he is. He's 36. He turned 36 on the 31st. Oh, of January, then he is I because I turned 38 on Monday.
2: Ah, uh, th- you turn or turned?
0: I turned 38 on Monday.
2: Ah, happy
0: birthday. The mate. The, the, the 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 footballer I know I share an exact birthday with is Ika Casillas.
1: Oh, uh, really? We're,
0: we're all uh we're all glad that he's got through his uh, heart problem. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um yeah. Because CS is an absolute institution in football. Mm. So it was quite a scare when that happened. But yeah, anyway, that's it. You don't know any other footballers you share birthdays with?
0: Just just that year. Where we are exactly the same age.
2: I share a birthday with Nelly Furtado and Britney Spears. Nice. That's all right. Um, and a footballer, an Irish footballer, who was terrible, called Graham Kavanaugh. And oh, yes.
0: Do you remember yes because he was i remember well oh, we're going to go into we're going to go in some nostalgia podcast here now but i remember wondering how old he was because he had gray hair when i was collecting <laughs> panini stickers um yeah one of those where you've, you've you've got to just believe what's in the panini sticker album because i don't believe i had the internet at the time
2: he's exactly 20 years older than me so he's he
0: would have been 45, a Chelsea man. youth player, I think, in in like the 1993 94 sticker album that I had. Chelsea. I'm sure he was with Chelsea. Go on, get the get the cav up on the uh, <laughs> on 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 Google or Wikipedia even.
2: Um, uh, it doesn't have us. His... It has him playing at home farm in in Dublin.
0: Oh come okay. on! It wasn't middles. Oh, no, he definitely played miserable later in his.
2: Maybe he was at Chelsea before coming back here, but who knows? Yeah, Graham Cavanaugh, his grey hair was interesting. It was very, very grey for all of his career, I think, right?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, certainly from, from what I can remember. Uh, oh, I tell you what, my old age is getting to me, I think, Connor, because I think it's the uh sticker I must have been thinking of.
2: Yeah, well, blue and red are very similar colours.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh Kev, oh Kev. Yeah. Um, all right, that is us now. We done. It is, yeah.
0: Let's uh, let's get to it. I have Champions League final tickets to purchase in the morning.
2: I've got a train to Rome to catch in the morning. Um, oh, I'll see you in Madrid, by the way. You will. Excellent, lovely. I'll be with a Liverpool fan, so I might as well surround myself with some more. All right. Um, yeah, head over to sportsitalianfootball.com for all of your Serie A match coverage. Your eh, whatever you want forwards. I'm too tired to do this. Thank you. Goodbye. Ciao
0: ciao. Roma Roma.
1: Roma. De Unico
0: amore de tanta e tanta gente que fai La da,
1: da sta voce
0: nasce un coro, so centomila voci che hai fatto innamorare.